Welcome back to Moonbeaming. You are here with me, Sarah Faith Godestiner. Moonbeaming is a space for the conscious and creative. And it is February, everyone. This means that later this month, on February 24th and 25th, we are hosting our weekend workshop, Clear Channels. Clear Channels is all about creating any channel where you share your gifts, your art, your writing, your brain, your thoughts, your philosophies, your expertise. And it's so you can connect with your people primarily outside of social media. It's for you if you want to start a Substack, a good old fashioned newsletter like Flowdesk or on ConvertKit or Beehive or MailChimp. This is for you if you want to start a podcast, if you want to start a good old-fashioned blog, this is for you. And it's a different way to think about marketing. It is definitely a way of doing marketing that takes all the ick out of it, all the yuckiness out of it. For most businesses, marketing is the most important part of a business after creating an amazing product or service. After you have expertise in your area, once you've created a really awesome product that you feel proud of and people like, marketing is what you need to do and what you have to put energy into. And I've experienced this with small business owners, with magical practitioners, with freelancers, that they just felt terrible, like they felt awful about marketing, or they were scared to put themselves out there, or they didn't even know how to think about it in a way that could work for them. So I thought to myself, what do I wish I had known and done earlier and focused more on? And that was marketing. And that was my newsletter, hands down. My newsletter is responsible for keeping my business running, quite frankly. It's not social media. My newsletter helps me help people, right? I can help people. I can serve folks through my newsletter. I can stay in contact with my audience and those who want to work with me. My newsletter also helps me share long form and experientially, and it serves as another creative outlet. I can write something that's longer than a social media caption, and I can have images and links and all these other good things that I can't always do in other places. There are only positives around starting a newsletter because you own your newsletter. You own the platform. You can connect directly to people through their email. And in this age of changing social media and like, should I be on LinkedIn and should I be on TikTok and should I be on Instagram and what about Facebook and what about what about, right? A newsletter stops all of that chatter, gives you focus, and you can utilize 
everything you share in your newsletter with your social media, all of it, or some of it. So for all those reasons, I wanted to focus on that as a container. And in Clear Channels, we talk about creativity. We talk about channeling. We talk about how to think about it, be about it energetically. And it really has unlocked a lot of things for folks who've taken it creatively. It's really gotten folks into flow. It's got them excited about sharing. It's focused them in what some of the things that they want to even offer, right? Folks have taken it and reached out to me and said, oh, I actually want to offer this thing because I know that I'm an expert on it and I'm excited about sharing about it and I can really help people and it's going to be really fun. So that's a little bit behind the workshop series and my thinking about it. You can absolutely read more about it on our website. And for all podcast listeners, we have an early bird code. It ends February 9th. You can get a discount with the code all caps clear podcast. So you have, I don't know, 46 or 78 more hours or whatever to use it. And you can sign up for the workshop at a discount with the link in the show notes, or you can Google it as well. All right, on today's show, we have an awesome guest. Today's show is an awesome, awesome one. You're gonna love it. We have the wonderful podcaster, Chelsea Reif on the show. Chelsea is the host of In My Non-Expert Opinion and is also a podcast coach and a world traveler. I'm going to share her bio with you now. Chelsea Reif is an industry-renowned podcast coach helping creatives, coaches, and entrepreneurs launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts. She blends her 10-plus years of digital media, content marketing, and storytelling expertise to find the golden ticket strategy for her clients. She's also a full-time digital nomad and hosts the top-rated podcast In My Non-Expert Opinion, covering the roller coaster of entrepreneurship, the fun and chaos of travel, internet culture, and the mindset BS we all go through. The podcast has garnered well over 150,000 downloads and continues to grow each week. Chelsea's really amazing. She has created a life around what she's great at and loves doing, and in doing so, she's become an expert. This is an awesome episode where Chelsea goes deep into the process of creating her popular podcast and the challenges and growth she's seen over the years. This episode is for you if you are feeling like you want to pivot and transform and don't know how that will inform your creative practice. This is for you if you want to figure out how to partner your intuition with your business or your creative practice, Chelsea shares about how things came through for her and it was very intuitively led. And of course, this is for you if you want to know more about making and creating a podcast. I get a lot of questions about how to create a podcast. And so I listened to you and I brought on a podcast 
expert. And that's why Chelsea is here, other than the fact that she's just amazing. She's incredibly likable. I just like instantly wanted to be her friend and you will want to be as well. She has a ton of experience, both through a practical, strategic lens and also a more intuitive, spiritual lens. You know I love that. And she shares so much of her wisdom freely. So you're going to want to take notes. You are going to want to listen to this whole conversation. And you're going to want to subscribe to her podcast as well. Now on to this week's conversation. I'm so excited for today's guest. I think I found you the good old fashioned way, which is what everyone, at least in my humble opinion, I either want to be found by like a recommendation from a friend, you know, like someone being like, you should check this out. Or I love those synchronicities. Google searches where you're looking and something pops up and you start listening. And this doesn't happen all the time. You come across something and you're like, oh yeah, this really, I like this. And that's how I came to find your podcast, Chelsea, because I realized after about two years of podcasting, I had never really like educated myself about podcasting. And so Today's guest is Chelsea Reif, who hosts a great podcast, in my non-expert opinion. Chelsea, I was hoping you could just introduce yourself and your work to our listeners. Yeah, exactly. I run a podcast called In My Non-Expert Opinion, and that actually led me to eventually start teaching people about podcasting. So now I'm a podcast strategist. I help people launch and grow their podcasts. And I'm also a full-time digital nomad. So I'm always traveling. Right now I'm in Albania and for some reason at nighttime, the dogs go wild. So you might hear crazy barking in the back and I don't know what they're barking at. They're like wild coyotes, but that's part of my story. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me. And some dogs. Yes, yes, yes. And so right before we hopped on though, I just want to get into something larger or maybe not larger than ourselves, our dogs, our time zones, our lives. And that is this idea that you've been thinking about in terms of like work and leisure and like what is work and what is rest and what is leisure how do they intersect where do they intersect please 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 tell us how you've come to be thinking about these larger topics in your own life now i would say present day the way that i want to live my life is being and doing as many things as possible so i know i just introduced myself as a podcast strategist i can tell you 99.9% i will not be doing this in 5 to 10 years i have no desire to build a podcast empire and be like you know the tony robbins of podcasting or something <laughs> like a horrible example anyway but like it's not even that i I'm like so intimidated and oh my gosh, I don't know how to do it. And it's so scary. I actually do know how to do it. I have a background. I worked at an agency. I know how to build a team. I have relationships with people in industries. I know the network. Like I actually could build an empire. I just choose not to because the way I look at my life is actually more through my deathbed. And whatever you want to believe about spirituality, I think it helps us cope. And so for me, I always think about when I die, what am I going to see flash before my eyes? And from what I've heard, there are some people that have had near-death experiences that are like, I actually did see my life flash before my eyes. 
Mm-hmm. I do not want my life to look like a movie that was just me at a laptop all day, working on weekends, not living my life, not doing all the things I want to do. I mean, I want to go to culinary school. I want to be in a music video. I want to write a book. Like there's so many things I want to do. And that's what I hope is part of my movie. So when you ask, like, how am I looking at that present day? The way I started to look at my job and my vocation is Yes, I want it to help people. And podcasting, as you can see, is like the best form of self-expression and connection. But to make that my life's work and in lieu, like sacrificed free time and family and leisure and friends, it's just like I'm not willing to do that. So the way I look at my work now is like it's a an operation that I love doing that gives me free time and space and helps people in the meantime, which is perfect. And like I said, I'm most likely not going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I'm so grateful for you for bringing all of this up to start because this is like separate but different. I've been working since I was 12. I've always had to work. And it's been up until like recently, I think that I've had really my first existential crisis around work. Like I've had existential crises around other things. I've had several near-death experiences and I live with a really serious illness. And then I also got long COVID. So I've been thinking a lot about death and death has always been a framing device for me in my life as well. And it actually has led to many beautiful things. All that to say, I also have been feeling very stifled by other people's projections and labels of me. Like a lot of people recently. And you know how, I don't know. I mean, I think you're a spiritual person. I'm assuming because you brought it up for me to, well, I'm more of a mystic and I think of life as a mirror. So if things are coming up, like right in your face, even if it's your car breaking down or a repeating word or a repeating book, it's something always to pay attention to and like what the current curriculum is. And so I've had a bunch of people like mirror back at me that they think I'm this, like they think I'm a witch, you know, and I am a witch, but like as a label and what comes with that is a lot of stuff that I never signed up to be. And I keep saying, well, actually I'm just a human being, you know, like I'm not just this one thing. And I think that in my own questioning around like what next or what do I want to do? Similar to what you said, there's so much freedom in remembering that we get to be all of these different iterations of ourselves and we get to be these different phases. That's literally why I started the moon studio. It's like for every phase, for each phase. But I was wondering if you could share a little bit around like identity stuff or identity shifts, or if you've been experiencing some discomfort in, you know, you're an expert at podcasting and also obviously you're a human being, you have all these other incredible, fascinating facets of who you are. And so I was wondering if you could share a little bit, whether you're still in process or you've like come to some sort of, you know, not definitive statements, but just some ideas around how to shift out of not only other people's perception of us, but like where we might be over attached to certain aspects of our identity. Yeah, that last part I deeply resonate with, especially in the world of Instagram. And I think when you think of like your bio and I help blah, 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 do this. And my website says this, it feels very 
very jarring to all of a sudden be like, wait, you know, I'll use culinary school as an example. This has been on my mind for like three years. I don't want to actually work at a restaurant or be a chef. I just want to learn the skills and be able to host dinner parties and be like, ooh, Chelsea's famous, whatever dish is coming out. So because of that, I'm like, wait, but that doesn't fit into my ecosystem of like what I do. And that has nothing to do with podcasting and creativity or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, it does feel box. And then people are like, so culinary school for what? Are you going to open a restaurant? Are you going to work at a place? And it's like, we can't accept the fact that, no, I just want to go because I want to learn. Like, I just want to have that skill. I think that's a really cool skill to have. I think this also comes from growing up in North America. I grew up in the United States. We are obsessed with status and accolades and achievements. And when you ask about identity, that's something I had a huge shift around this summer. I actually did like a magic mushroom sound bath in Mexico. Mm. I had this complete mental breakdown around my identity. And I realized I have put so much emphasis on achievements being who I am. I was an overachiever in high school. I constantly graduated with like honors and excelled in my classes, straight A's type of person. And I realized like I kind of received a lot of attention and love that way. And then to be able to take that and then recreate it in my adulthood with a career, you're almost setting up the same system where now I get attention and love and affection from clients or my parents or whoever it is because I'm doing well in my career and I'm excelling. And so this, this whole journey in Mexico really rocked me to be like, is that all you want to be known for is like your academic achievements and your career? And I started sobbing and sobbing. And to be honest, I still didn't, like you said, I didn't come to a definitive answer of like, there it is. I got it. But that really rocked me. And I, again, going back to like thinking about my deathbed, also thinking about my funeral, I don't really want people to just be saying, oh, she was so good at podcasting or she was just an expert in her field and great at work. Like that's I want to be someone like she's the most generous person. She was so thoughtful. She went out of her way to do this for me. So that stuff started really seeping into my mind of like, how can I be more of that person, not the expert in the industry of blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's where I'm at right now. I've been telling people over the last, like, honestly, it's been a couple of years that like my identity is like compost heap. I'm not even really sure. And everything that you're saying tracks as we're talking in autumn and it's very like back to school time and I'm taking a couple of different classes and they're not for anything. Like they're not going to make me a better blah, blah, blah. I mean, they probably will because when we learn and grow, we just become more well-rounded and more integrated. But I also, the other thing I just wanted to comment on and what you shared is this idea in the United States That something has to be for something like monetizable or quantifiable. You can't just want to go to culinary school for fun because you've like always loved food or you want to learn how to cook food differently or like, like you said, give to people in a different way or like maybe make people gifts every year out of like pies or delicious treats. Like it can't just be something like that. It has to be like, well, where does this fit into your bigger picture? Like, are you going to like start a side business like coaching chefs. And it's like, well, no, I just kind of, it just sounds fun, like, you know, or interesting. So that I think that this exploration of ourselves, where it's not attached to other things for me also, I've been doing really little things that are absolutely nothing I could ever think of myself as. 
And I've been noticing where I'm bringing in my doubts and judgments. So I've never been someone who was at all an athlete or coordinated or strong or anything, but I started weight training really for my health. And I noticed I took a lot of subconscious stuff into it. Like, well, you're the worst person here, or like, you're not getting the form or like, I did just did an podcast episode about unattaching from the exiled archetypes, like the parts of us that maybe have felt abandoned or like an exile or an outsider. Um, And so I've been noticing where I bring that in just to regular, regular, everyday things like going to weight class. It's like no one here is judging you. Everyone's here to get better. And so by like slowly doing little things where it's like, oh, this was never part of who I thought I was. It's really useful because, well, I'm doing it. So this is who I am. And I think anytime we want to try something new, it can be really useful to really be conscious and mindful around the stories we're bringing in and like the stance we're showing up as, because that can help transform us in other ways. You know, even the little bits of change I have in my weightlifting, I can bring it into other areas of my work just to mix things up or be like, well, actually, no, you don't have to do things in this way or you can change. So I could literally talk about this topic for hours and hours. I did want to ask you about your expertise, though, if that's okay. Yes. And can I just say, though, when you were saying that I got goosebumps because I went through the same thing earlier this year about weightlifting and I'm like, you're you have no endurance, like you're not a sprinter, you're not strong, blah, blah, blah. And I would say what helped me if anyone else is going through this, start to write down evidence almost as if it was a homework assignment, like talk about being academic, but pretend you have like an actual homework assignment due. That's like, you actually have to find evidence of why you are these things. So I, I went through this with weight training. I went through this with writing recently where I'm like, oh, you're not a writer. You don't even have like a background in writing. And I'm like, that's not true. Like I did really well in my writing exams in college. I actually got a perfect score on the standardized test in fourth grade, like all these random things that I'm like making myself go seek out. And then once you like turn the car that way, it's almost like a car that's stuck going left. And you're like, I need it to turn right or else I'm going to fall off this cliff. When you make your brain do that, it will go out and find all the examples of why you can do that thing. And so I just wanted to say for anybody, again, that might be trying to shift into a new identity, try to find little nuggets of evidence that you can anywhere to help you step into that so you don't feel like a complete fraud. Speaking of that, though, because I wanted to have you on because I will run classes around creativity. And one thing that comes up is folks wanting to start podcasts. And they're very question marky about it. You know, they aren't sure even where to begin or why or all of these things. And so I'd really love to hear not only like how you came to start your own podcast, but also I really wanted to like pin this part because I haven't heard people talk about this is like, how did you feel in the beginning of like pushing publish or like sitting there with your microphone? Like what were some of the foundations that helped you like leave the nest from idea to really just doing the thing? And what was that like? Because I think that's the other thing with people that I work with. Yes, there's the major emotional piece, I think, to all of it, which goes along with exactly what we've just been talking about, which is identity, identity shifts. Oh, now I'm someone who talks on a microphone. Now I'm someone who puts myself out in the world and so on and so forth. And also, I think there's just like this mystery of, well, how do you actually sit your butt down or stand up or whatever it is and just 
begin that that beginning that new moon that like i am going to do this thing i'd love if you could share as little or as much as you feel uh, comfortable and called to about that absolutely so for starters i always wanted to be someone who created something and shared something with the world i majored in broadcast journalism and then i took classes for tv hosting and reporting so since i was like 18 i always wanted to be a host of some sorts Fast forward, I found out TV hosting is extremely competitive and cutthroat and political and just not a good move from a lot of mentors. Like people were warning me. So I was like, maybe I need to choose something else. So I went to grad school for a program called a master's in digital media and storytelling. And that whole entire two years was just storytelling through audio, through video, through photos, through data, anything that we could use to tell a story. And I just remember feeling like, wow, two years of doing this felt like playtime, like did not feel academic or hard or anything. So I really hung on to that. Like, wow, you actually had fun doing all these classes and it was very expansive and it was really cool to also seek out stories that weren't just about myself. You know, we had so many different prompts to go profile the local nail salon or build a website for the local coffee shop or whatever it was. So that got me really into like understanding other people's stories And at first they were just like fun assignments. And then it's like, oh, this person built this coffee shop for this whole other reason outside of just making money and loving coffee. And then that really prompted me to start listening to podcasts because it was so heavy on the interviews and deep, long form storytelling. So I started listening to podcasts on my way to work every day. It was a 45 minute commute. So literally for years and years and years consuming podcasts. And then it finally clicked of like, this might actually be my platform because I hated editing video. I hated blogging because I the pictures and the links and the SEO, I was like, I hate doing that. And so I was like, this kind of makes sense. It's like your love of hosting and storytelling. You get to be the creative director and do whatever you want. You can talk however little or long you want. It just felt like the perfect alignment. So that's how I got into it was in 2016, I decided like I am going to have a podcast. 2017 is when I actually pulled the trigger and was like, let's do this. We need to start a podcast. I had listened to podcasts for so long that I listened partly for entertainment and partly for like market research of like, how does this person open it? Or like these people do segments. This person never does interviews. And I just used all this information to be like, you need to try this out yourself and see what you like doing. So when you ask about what was the moment of like, okay, let's hit publish. This has happened twice in my life. And one of them was with the podcast where it literally felt like a lightning bolt struck me and was like, you have to do this right now. Like there was no like, oh, maybe next week, maybe tomorrow. I remember being at work. I could literally like visualize this right now and being like, I'm just like not going to work for the next two hours. I signed up for a host site. I picked a name. I made a little random cover art on Canva that everyone had the logo because it was one of those templates. Like I just went nuts. and But it was like not even me. It was like something was being channeled through me. Of, like you have to get this out into the world. So I just remember setting it up that day. And then when it came time to record, the constant advice I heard from all these entrepreneurs and podcasters was like, you just need to launch it and fix it later. So that was, I was really messy about it. I was like, we don't need to do a bunch of strategic planning and SEO and batch record 40 episodes. So my very first episode was my chiropractor. <laughs> I was just like, I want to interview someone. It just a no origin story. I was like, I just find this a very interesting topic. And I was really into health and wellness at the time. And so her involvement in it and seeing how excited she was too, because she had never been interviewed on a podcast. So that whole experience of like, I'm creating my own thing, right? I'm not hired by someone. 
but I think it helps to add this context too. I worked in influencer and content marketing where constantly brands were giving us the creative direction, right? They can't say this. They need to have this background. They need to use these colors. And so to be able to be like, I get to do whatever I want and talk about whatever I want, that was so liberating. And seeing how excited people were to come on the podcast made it even more motivating. And then I would use my lunch breaks to bring in people to my company's we worked at a WeWork. And so we had this, you know, all these conference rooms. So I would bring people on my lunch break to come in and record. And people thought I was a full-time podcaster. So, so then that was just fun to like play into that of like, wait, this actually could be my reality. Like I could be full-time podcasting and just doing all these interviews with cool people. And then, yeah, I just kept going. And again, pe- seeing people's reactions. And I think if you're a curious person and you like storytelling, it's a natural fit. So I think just having that natural knack for years and years and years, it fueled me. And by the way, I wasn't making money. The point was not to make money. I didn't really want advertisers. Like I was spending my corporate paychecks on this whole production. So for me, it was a creative hobby for like three or four years before I even considered making it something that I could help people with. But that's how it felt. And there was definitely lulls, right? It wasn't all high seas and smooth sailing. Like there were times where I stopped and I kind of was like, what am I doing this for if I'm not making money? And this is exhausting. It's a production every single week. Like, why do I think I just have all this free time? And those thoughts have definitely come and go. And my podcast has been all over the place. But it's the one thing that when I do take pauses from it, I feel very out of alignment. I'm like, something's missing. What's going on? And I'm like, oh, because I'm not podcasting. So that's always stuck with me. Like, this is your biggest piece of like self-expression. Now we're at the beginning. Like, that's a very new moon. Like, something coming from above. You just have all this forward momentum. And then this other question I had, which is the other thing you already know, you already brought it up that a lot of creatives have who are doing longer form, consistent projects. And that is this part where you're not sure if you should continue. You know, I'm kind of at that place a little bit with my podcast and that very similar to you, I started it with no expectations. And I think that's another piece that isn't always talked about in creative land. Yeah. But that's like when you start something with no expectations, in my humble opinion, it's easier in a way because you're just doing it for the joy, for the fun. You're trying to learn, you're trying to get better. You're just seeing kind of what it can be, which is like great advice. I mean, it's one of the tenets of Buddhism, of course. And also there does come to a place, I think, where either we do want to make money from it, or we do want to have some sort of I'm really glad you brought this up too with ambition, the ambitious piece, because I've also been unpacking that as well. And I was talking to a friend about this and he was saying, well, he doesn't want to be ambitious. He feels like it's very toxic, you know, the same thing like good grades and the grants and the awards and all of that. And he's trying to unravel all of that. And I was telling him, well, I want to be ambitious about how I love my partner. I want to be ambitious about how I care for my dogs. I want to be ambitious about like writing. Like, can I write a poem that makes me cry while I'm writing it? Like that, you know, we can frame ambition in different ways. I think ambitious people, or like for me, it's that I'm ADHD. And so I very much need some kind of mark or measure or else I start to feel absolutely like so depressed if I don't have that. And so I think it's that piece of 
that I love your thoughts on, and you can do it through the lens of podcasting or anything else where, you know, you've been doing something for a while and maybe it has become a bit more route or mundane, or maybe you really are at a place where, and I think this is so reasonable and perfectly normal, you want some kind of external growth or you want to be able to get sponsorships. That's kind of where I am right now. I'm like, well, I really do love podcasting. There's no way on earth I could have such an interesting conversation with someone I don't know. Like, this is how podcasting is this magic thing. You're like, oh, I'm getting to talk to someone about their life in their zone of genius. This is not a conversation I would normally have. It's around everything that I'm interested in. Everyone listening, they're going to feel affirmed, validated, challenged. They're going to have questions. Like, it's just so cool. It's such a great medium. And also, I am in this crossroads place, which I think is so normal to come to, whether it's in a relationship or a career or anything, an identity. And so for you, I'd really love to know how do you transform or pivot? When should we stop? What questions should we be thinking about if we want to get to a different level? Not again, necessarily out of like creating some empire, but just thinking about maybe there is something else in my life I want to give more attention to, or maybe I want da 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 out of da da da. What has helped you or what are some of the tools and practices or questions that have kind of helped you shift or pivot or even just take a break? I would say when I started to feel really burnt out, that obviously started to make me reflect and be like, what are we doing here? And I think the burnout came because I was doing everything last minute. So my show would publish Thursday and Wednesday night, I'd still be editing and writing show notes, by the way, while I was working full time. Like I started to burn out and being like, you need to figure this out or this thing is not going to keep going. So then I realized you just actually don't even have systems or a planner or anything. So that was my first realization of like, why don't you just get organized first and foremost? That actually could be what's happening to a lot of us is we're just not organized. And so everything does feel last minute and heavy and chaotic. So that was my big realization. Then the second realization I had was there was just a period where I was only talking about health and wellness. And I felt like that conversation had gone on for months and months and months. And it was almost every single episode. And so I was like, do we need to keep talking about health and wellness? Like I've evolved past this. And so I was like, let me start talking about other topics and just see what happens. And because, and I agree with you of like starting for joy, because I had no investment financially or from a brand or even a business, like I could pivot if I wanted to, and it didn't really matter if I lost all my following, which wasn't even a real rational thought. It's like people evolve with you, but I was able to do that pretty seamlessly. Like, you know what? Now I'm going to talk about spirituality and dating. And then I was like, wait, okay, no one, you know, there's no backlash, nothing happened. Like, it's okay. And so then that became my kind of my permission slip to keep pivoting. I mean, like, hey, I evolved. I started this podcast seven years ago. I'm obviously not the same person I was. So my content's going to evolve. My topics are going to evolve. The people I have on, I might even change my beliefs a year later. Being very transparent with my audience too, right? These aren't like things I'm just thinking behind the scenes, but directly telling my audience, hey, I've changed my mind on this. I, I remember three years ago, I said this, I don't believe that anymore. And so I think that transparency started to build more trust with my listeners. And so they've been along for the ride of like all my different transitions, which is why I don't feel guilty or weird about pivoting anymore. Regarding the financial piece, 
I will say one more thing too on creativity. Sometimes you just need to reformat it. Like you might be done with hour long interviews and being like, you know what? I might switch to like 20 minute solo episodes biweekly, or I'm just going to do one time a month, deep dive investigative research. And that's it. It's just one time a month. So usually that's what happens too, is like the format is just off or you don't like your cover art or it's something just very small like that, or the way you're doing your show notes. That's actually helped me. I remember when I rebranded last year, I skyrocketed with like my energy, my clientele, like who I was talking to. And it was because I was so stuck with how my like aesthetic was looking and my pictures and photos, they felt all so outdated. And I'm like, wow, I just needed basically to do a photo shoot. (laughs) I was like back in the game. So sometimes it's just a creative pivot as well. Now, financially, podcasting, and I will be honest about this, is a labor of love. If you are doing 20 minute episodes, you want to plan them out. You want to record, you want to edit, create show notes, links. And if you want to be even more intentional with adding things like transcripts and SEO, that's something that can come in pieces and it doesn't all have to happen at once. I'm still working on elevating the podcast and the process and the systems. But for me, I remember putting all this pressure on myself to figure that out early on and being like, you need to be a you know Spotify exclusive level podcaster and figure all this out. And it's like, I don't have the resources and backing of Spotify. So I need to do this in baby steps. And so that's something if you're feeling a lot of pressure with your podcast and you're like, I want to start doing videos and captions and this and that, it's like, break it down into baby steps and be honest of like, how much free time do I even have to commit to this? You know, what resources do I have? Do I have the investment or the capital to make all these changes? And sometimes the answer is no. And it's like, okay, then let's just work with what we have, which sometimes is the bare minimum. And I've actually, I want to do a whole episode about this. So like being okay with being good enough because you're good enough is still amazing to someone. You're good enough to someone else is like all they need. They don't need the captions and the bells and whistles and 20 different ways to see you or hear you. It's like, I just want to hear your message every week, whether it's five minutes or an hour long interview. And so being okay with being good enough and not putting that external pressure on yourself, I think is key. The last thing I'll say on this is the financial piece of like, okay, I've been doing this for years. It costs me a lot of money, like the microphone and the production and this and that and the other thing. I personally use my podcast as a marketing funnel into my consulting slash coaching business. So I don't directly monetize in the way of sponsors. I have done that before. I personally don't like it. And I'm looking into monetizing through a paywall, which is something a lot of people are doing now, like subscriptions. But for me, the financial stability I was looking for, I knew was not going to come from like a $7 subscription or maybe like $500 to $1,000 brand deal. I was like, I know I need to be signing higher ticket, longer term coaching clients. So that's how I started to justify the cost of the podcast and honestly putting more effort into the podcast and being more strategic about it. And then I ask people now when they sign up to work with me, how did you find me? And it's usually they heard me on someone else's podcast or they found me on my podcast and then decided to work with me. So that data in and of itself was enough to be like, okay, then you can keep doing this because it actually is giving you a financial return. Mm, Yeah. I love all of that. And there's just so much gold in everything that you said, not only for podcasting, but for anyone who's doing something creative who may not have the resources, whether that's money, time, or a mix of both. I absolutely 1000% agree with you. I have wanted theme music. I have wanted to decide on 
a zippy one to two sentence about. I have wanted so much for this podcast and for other projects that I've done and absolutely being good enough. And for me, good enough is that, is this episode going to provide value for someone? Is it going to open up their mind? Is it going to give them actionable advice or frameworks for them to use? Is it going to enhance their day? And this is the other thing I think that not a lot of creators think about, or maybe just some of the creators I've spoke to and I've coached, is this fun for me? Like, is this something I want to talk about and explore? For me, my podcast is a space where I can share and talk about things I don't see being talked about in other spaces or topics that I get to do a deep dive on that simply, as you said, Chelsea, doesn't translate to an Instagram caption or a newsletter, you know, There's certain things that you can really only dive deep on in podcasts. Also, because in podcasts, you can hear someone's tone. Some of the things that I talk about, if I wrote it out in a newsletter, I would get so much backlash because people wouldn't understand the nuance and the tone. Exactly. The thing about podcasting is you can like vibe off people's energy. You're like, oh yeah, their energy is so good or their energy is upbeat or it doesn't sound like they're trying to be, you know, activating or whatever that might be. So that's another thing I really love about podcasting, especially if you're someone who does work as a coach or a teacher or a facilitator, this is one of the more true transmissions or ways to get to know someone in a sense that just isn't really the same, you know, in other formats. So I really love that too. So I love everything you brought up. We're pivoting again. We're transitioning again. We're exploring all the facets of you. I wanted to, before I let you go, I really, really, really wanted to hear about this really incredible experiment, life experiment that you just did. And that is a sabbatical off work for quite a bit of time. Isn't that right? It was about a month. And I will say it was more of a semi-sabbatical. It wasn't full on not working. But yes, I did decide to take off like I was not launching anything. I wasn't promoting anything. I didn't put out a newsletter. I didn't post on Instagram. I didn't do any type of like marketing to bring on one-on-one client, like nothing. I basically was like, I'm going semi-dark for a month. So tell us about how you decided to do that. Maybe how you were also able to do that again, like emotionally, because I think that's a lot of it. Like you could just say, okay, I'm not going to be doing X, Y, and Z for however long. But I think there's always a lot of emotions or resistance or fear that comes up whenever we do something pretty radically different, especially as business owners. It can maybe set off a lot of worry about income or new clients or new prospects. Did any of that come up or were you just like feeling really great about it? Oh, yeah, that definitely came up. So the reason this whole thing got even prompted was, like I said earlier, I'm a full-time digital nomad. And for some reason this year, I like really leaned into that identity and I switched countries pretty much every three to six weeks. And I'm talking countries, like we're going from Argentina to Peru to Colombia, not just like a train down you know, to another town. And that's obviously very dysregulating. 
you're eating different food, different currency, different language, different custom, everything is different. And so I basically did this from January up until, I mean, I'm still actually doing it. And I would say I took a break, quote unquote, in May and I stayed in Mexico City for almost three months. So that was like my longest stint of the year. And what I realized during that downtime in Mexico City was I started to gain a lot of clarity because my mental capacity wasn't always going to figuring out the next trip or doing the next thing or you know booking the next experience because I just had downtime. So when I started looking at my upcoming plans for the fall, what I realized too is I have this tendency as soon as I make more money or get busier to invest in more teams and support and courses, even though at that time I might not really need them. So all of a sudden I hired a health coach and a self-love coach and an attachment coach. And I had my therapist and I was taking a course on systems and like all these things on top of traveling. And so what I basically did was just completely burn myself out with like self-help and improvement. And I'm like, you you need a moment to actually integrate this all. All these people are amazing, but you're not even giving yourself space to relax into what you just learned or or digested. Like I wasn't, it was just on the next thing all the time. So I started planning this probably in like June, maybe even a little earlier. And the first thing I did was just block off my Google calendar. Even if I wasn't going to do it, it was just blocking off the calendar to start telling myself like, seeing that, right? Like you said, it was a little jarring to be like, wait, every single day is blocked off. You don't have meetings or podcasts or anything. I think seeing it first started to crystallize it. So looking ahead, when I was clicking through that Google Cal being like, okay, those weeks are blocked off. What are you going to do with that time? Then the financial piece came in. The best thing I've ever done in my business, I will say top three things was get all my clients on monthly payment plans. So even when we're done working together, there's still clients on payment plans. So I actually didn't have to worry at all in September when I took off because I still had like 10 clients on payment plans that I did not even have to lift a finger or do any type of launching. That strategy, honestly, again, works for my lifestyle because I cannot be live launching all the time, especially perfect example today, my Zoom has dropped out twice while we've been recording because of Wi-Fi. And like, I can't, I know that some countries I go to don't have the most stable Wi-Fi. So I know I can't be always promoting and doing things 24 seven. And that piece helped me relax into the financial like stress that could have come up if I was trying to, you know, launch something during that time period. So financially I was set. The biggest thing for me, I will say was I was scared people were just going to forget about me. And be like, is she in business? Did she just like abandon us? Is she even like serious about her business anymore? You know, tying this all together to our academic identities, it started to make me feel like I didn't know how to be in business almost in a way of like, oh, wow, you have to take a whole month off to regroup. And that means you probably don't have great systems, or I guess your content calendar is not good enough, and blah, blah, blah. And making up all these stories. And in reality, I was like, need to reframe this to be like, how cool is it that you actually could take a month off to create this space for yourself and regroup and find clarity? So that that belief finally set in in like, I don't know, maybe July or August. And by the way, I also have support. Like I don't do all this stuff by myself. I have a therapist. I have a business operations person who really helped me. I had a virtual assistant who did a bunch of backend things and tied loose ends up. So that's something I, I always tell people is I know as a person that runs the business and you're the face to the brand, you tend to think the person does everything. And I'm like, no, I outsource a lot. Like half of my income goes to people helping me because I know I can't do it on my own. 
So that's something that really was essential was having these people not only wrap up loose ends, but my business operations person is very honest with me. So she would look at my calendar because, you know, I started kind of like secretly booking some things on the calendar. She's like, wait, why is that in September? Like, isn't that your sabbatical month? And we, and I'm like, well, it's just one meeting or who cares? Like I can just take on one client. And she's like, well, that's not being true to what you said you were going to do. So having people like that in your corner who can not only call you out, but catch your blind spots is really important. And then I will say the last thing I did during the actual September was delete my Instagram. So not deactivate it. I just deleted it off my phone. And then I was lucky enough because, by the way, a lot of this was also prompted because I had booked a writing retreat in Greece. And I knew I did not want to be working around my phone at that time. So that was a big piece of it too. It was like I had this big event to be looking forward to. And deleting Instagram off my phone during the retreat was pretty easy because we were just doing stuff all day. And then I just loved how it felt. And I'm like, you don't have to pretend that the quote unquote real world needs you to be on Instagram all day and all night. So I kind of kept that up. And now the last two weeks, I deleted it off my phone and I'll check it maybe once a day for 30 or 45 minutes or I'll go on my laptop. But that was a big realization was people don't think you left them, that you didn't abandon your audience. I'm still there for my client. I, by the way, I still did work with one-on-one clients. Like There were things I did on the back end to help them. I wasn't like laptop closed for a month. But the point was I was training myself to not react so urgently to things. Random example about my friend was like, hey, I have a friend that wants to work with you and like collaborate with you. It wasn't really work with me. And I'm like, usually I'd have been like, cool, let's get on the phone tomorrow and let's sort this out by Friday and we'll start working together in the next two weeks. And I was like, can you tell them to reach out in October? And I kept doing that with everyone. I'm like, let's talk in October. Let's talk in October. Training myself to be like, you are not going to lose your livelihood if you push things back two or three weeks. So that was really, honestly, the point of it was stop treating everything as urgent and that everyone is like more important than your time. And that's probably the biggest takeaway I've had that I'm I'm actually really, really grateful. And I will say it's a a work in progress, but it's something that it came quicker than I thought. Like I thought it was just going to be one month and like back to your old ways. But I think when you see that your business has been going under and people still receive your work, you start to lose a lot of that fear. I love this share. This share, hopefully for everyone. I know that there's a lot of freelancers and artists and small business owners who listen to Moonbeaming and This was very inspiring to me. As you were talking, Chelsea, I, of course, was thinking about, oh, could I do this in January and February? Or, you know, like, when can I, you know, take take like a front facing sabbatical, I suppose, is kind of what it is. And I'm just really grateful for you for sharing that. And all I'm very grateful as someone who is very like practical as well, all the tactical things you did everything from like booking time that you really wanted to invest in to pre-paving in your brain, you know, okay, this is when this is going to happen to accountability, having people keeping you in check to letting yourself really stick to your boundary, even when you felt that urge or even when you felt that urgency come back up. So I think these are all like just such golden, golden, golden pieces of lived experience that I think is going to be really inspiring and supportive to folks listening. If you're listening to this, think about in your life where you might want to make a change. Maybe it's not as big as this one, but just something and think thinking about, you know, getting yourself set up, getting yourself ready, actually 
putting things on the calendar, actually retraining yourself to respond in different ways and seeing how that shifts for you. Chelsea, this was such a great conversation. I could talk to you forever. I hope we'll get to connect again. I would love for you to share about how folks can work with you. We'll put all the links, of course, in the show notes, but is there anything that you're particularly excited about in terms of any courses that you have or any ways that clients can work with you? We'd love to hear all about it. Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. And I love this conversation. Like you said, this is the coolest thing about podcasting that we can go from like existential crisis to podcasting tips to sabbaticals. It's like, what other platform can you do that? I I truly don't know. So it's been a blast. And you can find all my work at ChelseaRife.com. I'm at ChelseaRife on Instagram. My podcast is my in my non-expert opinion. And if you want to launch your podcast, I have a course called Mic Drop, which will teach you everything you need to know. And what I'm excited about is I have a new video library with courses that are focused on skills beyond launching. So what I realize is after everyone launched a podcast, they're like, great, I know how to do it, but I don't know how to interview or I don't know how to pitch guests or I don't know how to monetize. And so I realized, wait, I could just create actual trainings for these skills and teach you all the tools that I teach my one-on-one clients at a much lower price point and in a video training. So now I have a whole video library that you can check out on my website if you want to up-level your skill set. Yay. Thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Okay, everyone, didn't you love this conversation? There was so much to relate to. There were so many great ideas. If you have a moment, reach out to Chelsea, tell her what you enjoyed, tell her what you learned, give her a subscribe, give her a follow, give her some love. And if you want more on creativity, on making stuff happen, if you're ready to focus more on your business or your freelance or your side job this year, then sign up for Clear Channels. There's a discount for you with Clear Podcast. Okay, that's what we've got. I'm sending you so much love and I'll be back next week with another podcast all about creativity.